It's just not possible to gain that much in value that quickly with declining revenue. And that's when I really had the epiphany that investing was not about stocks and bonds. Investing is about innovation. The belief is if there's a new piece of information, that it will be instantly incorporated into the price of the stock or the bond or whatever. But that's not how people change their minds. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Egg Gotham, and welcome to another episode of Opto Sessions, where we interview the top investors from around the world and covering their secrets to success. Today, I'm delighted to have Sylvia Jablonski on the show, the CEO, CIO, and co-founder at Defiance ETFs, which he started just over a year ago after 11 years at the thematic ETF provider, Direction. Defiance ETFs is an ETF sponsor focused on thematic investing, The themes they have chosen are set to transform existing paradigms of how we live, work, receive healthcare, and pursue leisure. From quantum computing to blockchain, Defiance's first mover thematic ETFs seek to capture the most dynamic and disruptive companies riding these trends. In this interview, we dig into the current macro environment, NFTZ, the first NFT ETF, and PSY, an ETF focused on the medicinal use of psychedelics to treat depression. Enjoy. Hello, Sylvia. Welcome to the show. Uh, How are you doing today? Hi, Edward. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from New York. Oh, brilliant. How was the, is it nice weather today? (laughs) It is. It's finally nice weather today, I should say. It's been, uh, it's been like a a frozen tundra here lately. (laughs) Really? It's been snowing, has it? Or it hasn't been snowing, but it's just been bitter cold. Basically, it Reason. goes it goes from like fifty yeah, okay. degrees to to one degrees. So it's uh, yeah, crazy. it's bizarre. But I think we're turning a corner now. Now I see like high forties in my in my future. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It does get very hot there in the summer, isn't it? I've heard. It does. Yeah. Um, it does. Pretty bleak in London today. Not not great. But um, our winters tend to last forever. So uh, it seems like summer summer only comes like in June or something. Um, yeah, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Uh, obviously, a very interesting time at the moment in the global sort of economy. Um, some horrendous stuff happening in Ukraine, obviously. But to start with, I just wanted to get your sort of macro outlook for the sort of rest of the year, maybe going into sort of next year, um, given how much uncertainty there is at the moment. Obviously, it's quite difficult, but it'd be just good to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, um, I think, you know, as you said, there's some horrendous things going on in the world. So I sort of, you know, want to do that justice. And, um, you know, I know we're here to talk about markets, so I'll I'll focus on it in in light of that. But, you know, not to take away from the major humanitarian issues going on. Um, Ukraine and Russia has has really, I I think, sort of shocked global markets. You know, it's certainly added uncertainty to global markets, if if nothing else. But, you know, what's interesting is when you sort of take a step back from this, um, in my mind, the bigger risks to the market are really the Fed and interest rate hikes and, um, you know, inflation, sort of how all of that is perceived by the market. And, and this was just, as they say, mm-hmm. you know, the icing icing on the cake in terms of pulling back um, equity prices. But, you know, my outlook is that this doesn't matter a whole lot in terms of the actual fundamentals of the economy, um, particularly, you know, in, in the U.S. and Europe. I think that these events tend to be um, we hope they tend to be short-lived. Um, again, won't comment on the politics of that, but historically, 
you know, you have a market pullback for a few months. And then if you look at the end of the year across global markets, we tend to see stocks up. And I think that much of the froth has been taken off of, of the market, big mega cap names, for example, the Apple, Amazon, Microsofts of the world, the Googles of, of the world, if you will, are in my mind on sale. They're part of this greater secular mm-hmm. growth story and, and great entry points. You know, COVID is, is now manageable. Um, inflation is, is thought to be going down um, in, in coming months, whether it's through global policy or, or supply chain issues easing. Consumer savings are high. Consumers are, are sort of globally healthy in terms of savings accounts, specifically Europe and U.S., I should say, really. Um, so, so I think that, you know, even with the higher input costs and wages and rate hikes and things like that, you know, the market's in a really good place. Growth will be slower. Returns might be lower than they were last year, but that doesn't mean that we're, you know, not going to get high single digits, you know, mid-teen results on major indices. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that I'm very positive on the market. Um, I, and look like things like this, Russia and Ukraine, they come out of left field. They're hard to predict, but, you know, barring any other ma- major geopolitical issue, I think we kind of go back to, you know, reverting to to the mean with the market kind of trending upward mm-hmm. for the year. And do you think um, the current sort of problems happening in Ukraine with Russia, um, has that affected how the Fed will act going forward? You know, everyone was predicting a lot of rate hikes due to the more uncertainty. Are they going to change the way they're sort of approaching that now, do you think? I think what this does is it gives the Fed more flexibility in terms of how to react, because if, you know, prior to this, if, if you sort of thought about um, the meetings and what people were saying, you know, it seemed like 50 bips was very much um, on the table and, and like mm-hmm. the most likely hike and, and, you know, many hikes to come, seven to nine estimated by, by some people. I think that the Fed is is certainly in a good position to do 25 bips or if they do 50 to kind of like take the take the foot off the gas for a while in terms of more rate hikes through, throughout the year. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But the market volatility, you know, certainly and, you know, inflation and the uncertainty of the consumer. I mean, these things could long term have impact on the economy. So I can't imagine the Fed would sort of hike very aggressively, specifically what is, you know, given specifically what's what's in front of them. Um, but that and being that- said, I think the Fed is going to be back on top of our, um, you know, worry list when geopolitical risks um, simmer down. Yes, yeah, right down. Yeah, okay, cool. Thank you very much for that. That's, that's good to get your your insights on that. And um, obviously, here to talk about some of the lovely ETFs that you've got uh, at Defiance. I'm thought we might start with the, your latest one, which is the first NFT focused ETF, NFTZ. I think is the uh, ticker for it. Um, I think we should start off by just saying what are NFTs and what does the future hold for them? It'd be great to, if you give us your outlook on that. Sure. Uh, so we're really excited about this one. Um, NFTs are probably one of the fastest growing, you know, trends slash market segments slash um, pockets of, of investment opportunity for investors out there. So um, NFTs stand for non-fungible tokens. Essentially, each token is a digital code that represents a specific or unique item. Um, unlike Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, NFTs are not inherently of equal value to one another or to anything else. So they basically, they can't be traded like, you know, you can convert Bitcoin for Ethereum or um, Bitcoin for cash, things like that. The vehicle is used to basically create or mint NFTs identifying code um, is called the blockchain. And and that's the foundation for all things crypto. So basically, you know, an an NFT can be um, traded like a conventional property. It can be sold at an auction house like Sotheby's. It can be 
Um, it can be something that, that artists use to revolutionize art, music, you know, sports moments. Um, it, it has this foundation to, you know, essentially run the entire metaverse. So for example, you could have, like, let's say the, the metaverse is the place where we interact in a virtual way. And one of the things that we do is, is entertain each other and attend concerts and, you know, meetings and happy hours and things like that. So an NFT could be an entry ticket to an event um, with a, a special code that gets you perks. Um, it could be a way to collaborate with an artist on a piece of artwork where, um, you know, the, both the investor and the artist has sort of a say in the, in the future of the piece. But um, they're really the social currency of, of the future. And I think that they're going to transform the way we work, the way we interact, um, the way we live, and, and they're going to reward both the creator and the participant. And, you know, it's going back to this world of DeFi, right? There's no middleman. Um, I can buy an NFT from you. You can buy an NFT from me. We can work on it together. We can assign a smart contract so that sort of if you buy it from me, no matter what you do with it for the rest of your tenure, I assume royalties for the art that I've sold you or you assume royalties for the things you've contributed. I mean, there's so, there's so many different uh, practical applications of NFTs. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree. And um, obviously they're, they're based on the um, blockchain technology, as you said, which allows trustless peer-to-peer transactions uh, with no third-party involvement via smart contracts, which you just mentioned. But um, if we go a little bit deeper on that, why is, why is that so important to the success of this technology? You know, why is that behind its sort of um, popularity? Yeah, so you know, the blockchain has so many practical applications, and it's super interesting because I think when we say blockchain, we most often think about you know, crypto, right? Trading crypto and, mm-hmm. and having ownership stored in a digital wallet and things like that. So first of all, it, it cuts out the middleman. So it's the first time that we can have peer-to-peer transactions. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of the first foray into Web 3.0, which will be essentially, you know, peer-to-peer communication. So blockchain is basically a database where information is stored electronically. Um, they're based on networks distributed across large numbers of computers. They utilize encryption techniques for security. Because they're decentralized, uh, that means you know they're basically not controlled by any government or bank or central authority. Um, they ensure the integrity of their transactions through, you know, the ability to essentially have these unique identifiers that allow you to communicate and conduct transactions safely. So, blockchain technology is so huge because it can, again, you know, be a store of value for cryptocurrency for NFTs, allow you to store your NFTs and the NFT ownership there. But it's also something that if you think about, you know, the world that lies ahead of us, a decade ahead of us, you know, could it be something, for example, that if, if we bring it back to like, you know, the economy, right, and the supply chain issues that we have and, and these stories of like ships, like 500 ships waiting, you know, for 52 days to drop off goods. Mm-hmm. Could it be something where there's a smart contract between, um, you know, a shipper and a vendor and the smart contract will dictate like who, what, when, where, what changes of time, what changes of backup and delay? Um, you know, to create this level of efficiency where that sort of never happens again. Um, it could be something where when you do a trade um, in a bank, you know, you have sort of middle office, back office operations and sales and all trading and all of these things. But actually, you could build all of these functions into um, a smart contract on a blockchain to execute transactions. So I don't suggest that like, you know, sort of people are going to go away and blockchain is going to take over the world. But I do think that it will be a massive technological enhancement yeah. in, you know, A, the story of true digital ownership and, and the benefit to NFTs, but B, just, you know, the way the technology works in the world as we know it. Yeah. And obviously it's quite a, a nascent technology that's um, 
got huge popularity over the last sort of couple of years. And it, but primarily at the moment it's used for, you know, art, if you like to call some sort of digital art, ownership of digital art. Um, and what do you believe might be the most groundbreaking use case we'll see in the sort of near future that goes beyond that? You know, I think it will be, well, if I think about, you know, if I think about it now, I mean, I would agree that it's sort of best known for art and fashion and things like that. So you have, for example, mm -hmm. Gucci creating an NFT of a bag that is selling for more than the actual handbag itself because, um, you know, people are using it for their avatar. Um, if the metaverse sort of comes to be, I think that that explodes, you know, in the trillions, right? But um, I think that it, it's a great way for, um, you know, companies, whether it's fashion, whether it's art, whether it's sports, to create, you know, this way of allowing people to participate and, and a new way of thinking about art, culture, um, business, and social interaction. So um, I think that, you know, artists that sort of create this amazing music and, and, and then have, you know, whoever the middleman is, whether it's the record label or whether it's a Spotify or a, you know, Apple iTunes yeah. or whatever, you know, not to pick on them or, and whatnot, but like to take a big cut, right? Like now they can just, you know, drop it themselves, right? And, and have control of where the album goes, mm -hmm. where the song goes and actually, you know, recognize those loyalties. And that's important. You know, it's important for the most successful artists, of course. Um, they, you know, sort of deserve it too. But for up and coming artists, I mean, the word starving artist could very much go away, right? Because if you have these talented artists that now have a following and a way to really um, manage the future of their work with smart contracts themselves, it creates this new, you know, user, um, user and investor economy that, that has never thrived in a big way. So um, I, I think it'll, it'll start with those two spaces. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, definitely, uh, yeah, I believe it could be very big in music. Um, and then I think the other week I saw, um, I think it was in LA that the deeds to a property in LA were wrapped in to an NFT so that the owner who bought the NFT, you know, literally had the deeds to the property. So owned the house. Yeah. And that's the big pitch for the metaverse, right? In Decentraland, you'll have these companies like Atari, for example, that, that are massive landowners and, and essentially, you know, purchasing land will happen through contracts via NFT um, in the metaverse as you know, we will come to know it. And um, so NFTZ, the uh, first NFT focused ETF uh, at Defiance, is there a couple of holdings you can, you can just take us through uh, quickly from the ETF and, you know, what they do, why they're there? Yeah, sure. So the holdings in, in NFTZ, you know, sort of like why they're there and who, who are they? They are essentially companies that are invested and generate a large percentage of their revenues from, you know, creation, um, use, uh, research. Um, creating exchanges, you know, essentially having legitimate business operations where revenues um, stem from MFT. So, so for example, um, DraftKings, right? They're creating mm -hmm. this NFT exchange site. For example, eBay will potentially, you know, sell and buy an exchange via NFTs. You know, Silvergate Bank that basically, you know, is, is sort of the middleman of allowing um, cross crypto, um, same day real time exchanges, borrow things like that. You'll have companies like Atari, who I mentioned is a major player in the metaverse, you know, so they'll have NFTs of, you know, games and consoles and things like that, but they're also going to, you know, create NFTs, which will represent land ownership in the metaverse. Um, so those are the types of companies that we're thinking about. And sorry, did you mention Coinbase there? Yeah, Coinbase is another one. And again, that's, yeah. you know, that's the relationship of um, 
of, of Ethereum and blockchain and, and, you know, the ability to sort of use crypto to buy and sell NFTs. Um, you know, Funko is actually a cool example. I don't know if you're familiar with Funko, but they have these figurines that are, you know, wildly popular, which they've now turned into NFTs, which are now, you know, also wildly popular, you know, think like the board ape type of vibe. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're companies that are basically grasping this in a huge space, but I expect this to change, right? So for now, we try to find every company that is investing in, in this and the future technology of NFTs, using NFTs now. And, you know, that's not um, that's not a huge list. So this is like the first ever access yeah. to those types of companies. I suspect that if we have this conversation three years from now, the universe is going to be so big that the index might have, you know, for all we know, it could be like, you know, LVMH or Coca-Cola and Pepsi generating, you know, 40% of their revenues from NFTs. I mean, companies are bringing this up on earnings calls now where NFTs yeah. are thought to be, you know, a future source of revenue for them. Because I know um, uh, Coinbase, they're releasing their NFT marketplace, I think in the first half of this year at some point, which could be a huge catalyst for the whole yeah. 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 And, and even now there's an indirect, right? Like if you think about, so that's going to happen and that's a main reason why it should be in the index. But, but even now, right, you're, you're sort of buying, selling, moving cryptocurrencies through, through mm -hmm. the Coinbase yeah, yeah. app, which allow you to um, use things like OpenSea and, um, you know. I was going to say, do you think OpenSea go public this year sometime or is that on cards? Yeah. I have no knowledge, obviously, of this, but I suspect yeah, that they no. will just because there's so much interest. Um, there's so much mm. interest. And that's a name that would, you know, naturally um be you know sort of on um on the list of companies that would be run through the model and you know if, if it gets picked up in terms of like market cap and whatnot it, it's something we would hope to see in the etf too yeah yeah it's just such an interesting space it's moving so quickly um is the etf actively managed do you, do you no. so that's the best thing about this right i i think that you know we try to be a company that thinks about younger investors and, um, you know, sort of the baby boomers that, that have, you know, trillions of dollars of wealth that's going to sort of trickle down to younger investors and, and younger investors also, you know, sort of have their own wealth and, and if not, you know, their own strong desire to have ownership in, in things that are meaningful to them. So for example, if you talk to some of the younger investors, they're far more interested in investing in an NFT that they have some sort of you know, say in versus um, a mega cap stock where, you know, the investment is just if the stock goes up, they make money great, but they don't really have any say or participation or, you know, sort of social or cultural relationship with the company. So I think it's just going to massively take off, particularly with 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 the youth of um, the, the youth of today. So, yeah, it'll be super interesting to see. Yeah. And that's uh, just that's out today, is it? You can go buy NFTZ if you're interested in the uh, NFT. You can, you can just um, buy it in your, yeah, yeah uh -huh. you just buy in your trade account. Um, and yeah, so sorry, I kind of didn't answer your, your question directly, but yes, it's passively managed, transparent. And um, the reason for that is we did not want to um, create a product that had a very high fee that prices out that investor that I just yeah. mentioned. Yeah. So um, yeah. cheapest, most transparent way to get access. Brilliant. And just before we wrap up in a few minutes, um, Psycholytics, another ETF you've got, uh, PSY. Is the ticker? Could you just quickly give us an overview of what what the psychedelic sector is, main use cases, and why people should be interested in that ETF as well? Yeah, absolutely. So psychedelics is is this idea we always like to think about what is the next generation of technology going to bring? And I think you know for communications it's five G, for investing it's NFTZ, for sort of like computers and technology it's quantum. So for biotech and mental health, we think it's psychedelics. Uh, the thesis here is that mental health is worsening on a global scale. 
you know, the existing paradigms of modern medicine just aren't meeting the challenge. You've got one in four people affected by mental illness. Um, you've got, um, you know, so many people, um, 17 million in the U S 300 million worldwide that have major depression. And of those people, you know, a staggering 30% don't respond to any currently available treatments, whether it's, you know, therapy medicines and things like that. And, you know, particularly when you think about, um, people with sort of the higher levels of mental conditions and depression, um, you know, soldiers, for example. So, you know, if, if you look at the antidepressant drug market, it's valued at 13 billion or so, and it's supposed to go by 24% um, by 2020 through 2030. But like, if you look at the numbers and 30% of people can't find a cure, well, that's a big number, right? So we, there's just so much research on psychedelics. They're thought to target a subset of serotonin receptors. And by doing that, they allow basically different parts of the brain to communicate and create this altered state of mind, which um, allow people to sort of, you know, transform through some of their issues. They've been, you know, used spanning back to 1600 BC by various cultures and, um, and in various healing rituals. But now Mm -hmm. we have all these studies, whether it's maps, um, studying MDNA, PTSD, cure phase three trial. You've got Cornell um, doing a study about LSD, how it can break down the brain and shape the way we look at reality, you know, decriminalization in Denver and Oregon of magic mushrooms. So a lot of these things are, are moving through trials. They're, they're, being, um, they're being viewed as things that are sort of worth trying by, by the FDA and, and regulators. The, the results are so compelling. Um, you know, there's studies that are showing that two thirds of the patient using MDNA assisted therapy, for example, are deemed to be cured. So if you think about that, you know, 17 million diagnosed people in the U S worldwide cost of 2.5 trillion, and we haven't been able to figure out, you know, drugs for them. Why not try this, you know, sort of compelling via results of major academic institutions, um, therapy. And, and so, you know, for that reason, we launched an ETF that invests in the companies that provide this. And what's the um, current legislation? Is it legal to go do this stuff or are they having to overcome some some, uh, legislation challenges, et cetera? Well, you know, it sort of depends on where. So you have places like, you know, I mentioned Denver and Oregon. Um, They've decriminalized and legalized the use of magic mushrooms. Um, There are places in the U.S., for example, and worldwide that have, you know, clinics. I mean, the big thing here is it's not to approve, you know, psychedelics. No, yes, I understand. It's like the certain use cases. Yeah, it's it's to invest in, um, you know, the medical use, right? And the assisted medical use. Mm-hmm. So all yeah. of these things we're talking about, like breakthrough therapy, guided therapy, right? The patient will take whatever, you know, sort of um, psychedelic that is recommended and they will do that with the help of, you know, sort of an advisor and a guide. So um, things like that are opening up in the U.S., but um, what's really interesting is is places like MAPS and Cornell and Johns Hopkins, you know, the trials keep getting approved to go to the next stage and the next stage. So we have MAPS yeah. on like phase three. We have, you know, John Hopkins um, pretty far along in phase three with positive results. So it's definitely getting the attention of the FDA and it's, it's possible that it gets approved for, um, a, you know, guided mm-hmm. medical therapeutic use. Amazing. Well, Sylvia, it's been great. Um have this chance to talk to you about uh, psychedelics and nfts um where can people go to find out more about your etfs um, or even like insights from yourself have you got twitter is there a website yeah sure um and and thank you so much for having me this has been this has been fun um you can go to our website defianceetfs.com um i'm on linkedin i'm on um twitter and you know you can just reach out directly we're very much happy to talk with everybody brilliant Thanks, Sylvia. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Just a quick note before we sign off. If you're looking for an easily digestible daily update on the markets, this might be of interest. Opto Updates is our short newsletter sent every day during the trading week, giving you a bulleted list of the top seven stories from the global stock markets. We've done the hard work for you, highlighting relevant opportunities and trends. And in addition, we'll also keep you notified of any new products, stock reports, or webinars from the Opto world. If you're interested, sign up using the link in the show notes. And thanks also to CoFruition for consulting on and producing the show. Until next time. CoFruition.